Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. However, today I have a special guest on the other line. His name is David Bolt and he owns modelsociety.com. And I'm really, really excited to talk to him about the website and the magazine and the community. Say hello, David. Yeah. Hi, Christy. Thanks for having me today. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. I'm so happy that you had the time to do this podcast with me. I have so many questions for you. Awesome. Well, good. I look forward to talking about this stuff. <laughs> so for myself, finding websites to find photographers or to get inspiration of images for ideas for my own modeling has always been like an important part of my career starting, you know, even when I was first starting when I was 18, you know, I was looking on the internet for pictures to be inspired by. And your website is special compared to all of the other like model portfolio hosting websites because Model Society focuses on figurative fine art specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to hear like why you chose to have a website that focuses on figurative fine art and how did that come to be? Yeah. I'll, well, good. I'll start with a little how it came to be, where this, where the idea and the inspiration came from. And then, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about what the focus of the website really is. I came up as an artist on the tattoo circuit. And I used to travel to tattoo conventions around the country. And even though I was a tattooist, my focus at the convention was selling fine art prints. And so I had just tables full of prints. And I was mostly like a fantasy, surreal artist and illustrator. And I sold a lot of prints and it was really great. We'd go to shows and sell just hundreds of prints for fans. And most of the work was just out of my imagination. But there was something I was doing also that was occasionally doing paintings and illustrations based on models. And these images just became incredibly popular. And so they were mostly nude archetypes of like angels or devils or, you know, it was both images of men and women in these sort of fantasy scenarios. And people just gravitated to this work. And it seemed like in the context of art, people felt free to appreciate nudity, like without the sense of taboo. Had maybe I had just nude pictures as prints, I don't imagine that my booth would be swarmed the way that it was. And so I just started doing more of this work. And I started, you know, initially it was with girlfriends or friends or volunteers from conventions who wanted to be part of the process. But as I just kept going, I discovered uh, Model Mayhem and started working with a number of figurative fine art models and kind of then found that there was this whole community of figurative fine art that was... And when I say figurative fine art, I mean that the work had a focus on sort of a classical presentation of the human body, kind of like you'd see all throughout the Renaissance. There's a certain kind of model and photographer that just seems to celebrate the human form in this idealized way that I've seen throughout our history. And that certainly appeals to me and that certainly appealed to my fans. And so I guess as I was on Model Mayhem, I was on DeviantArt, there was this way that this really gorgeous community to me seemed scattered and lost and they had no real place to post their work like they it was exquisitely respectful dignified images of the human form but you couldn't post it on facebook or instagram which kind of makes sense mm. but then at 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 model mayhem and at DeviantArt, the images were just mixed in with all levels of quality all types of photography 
and then at DeviantArt, it was just like puppy photos and watercolor paintings. And so I just felt, I sort of realized that this category of figurative fine art had kind of been lost between the cracks of like mainstream platforms and like porn, you know, like there was a, a, and I just felt there was this figurative fine art needed a home. And I just got inspired to create this platform and provide a space for this type of art. And so we're not really like a modeling platform first. We're more of a figurative fine art platform first. And our goal is to attract creators and fans who resonate with what we do. Yeah, and I've really noticed that by going to all the different sections of the Model Society website, because what sets Model Society apart that I've noticed is that you have a page of like latest images and top images. You have a page of models, recent images and photographers, and you've got like featured artists, but you also have like a magazine and a newsletter and a whole section of the website that's dedicated to learning and the people that have contributed to the learning area of your website. Uh, We do. Yeah. I think if I like try to, there's like this thing that clicks for people sometimes when I talk about figurative fine art is a lost category. And as soon as they sort of get it, they realize that there's been something missing. And so like the magazine and the newsletter are the way we try to curate like some of the best examples of these things that would help people even realize there's a content category to enjoy because it's kind of been banned from normal society. And if people want to see, let's say, let's say somebody wants to see beautiful nude images, they're going to find themselves in a world of porn and erotic content. And so we're really just trying to like rescue. I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with porn or eroticism. That's really for people to decide on an individual level. We just wanted to sever the automatic connection between nudity and like commercialized sexuality. Like there is this thing that's been on a pedestal throughout all of our human history that's kind of missing in today's culture. So with the magazine and the newsletter, we're just trying to recurate around that and just like shine the light on this pedestal of this art form so that people could recognize there's something that's been missing. And often when people, when it clicks for people, like they really get it. Like fans send us messages all the time, like saying that they had a confused experience of nudity, that they couldn't contemplate nudity or beauty without shame because it was associated with porn. And so people would often see the work at Model Society and have this like clarifying experience of beauty where they could actually just savor the beauty of the human form without it like being associated with all these taboos. Yeah, you know, that's really an interesting topic because I feel like for myself, I'm living so deep into the forest that I can't see the trees and I have to kind of right. step outside the forest sometimes and realize that most people don't really think about nudity as something that can be beautiful and empowering. A lot of people that are not in the industry are just assuming that anything involving a nipple is going to be, you have to be married or like, you know, having sex with your husband or it's going to be really gratuitous and pornographic. And so I think it is important to have a place to focus on the beauty of nude art. 
because you're right. It, it is definitely like pushed to the fringes of society. Like every mainstream platform that allows like basically anyone to be a user, like social media or whatever, it's restricted to have any kind of nudity at all. And I could talk about that for hours, honestly, because sure. I've, I've definitely been deplatformed over and over on all the major platforms, YouTube, Instagram, yep. even Twitter, TikTok, like anything that indicates that you are often female and that you have like other photos on other platforms that you're driving traffic to, e even if you're just alluding to that, like that can deplatform you. Yeah, there is. They, they can't manage. Look, if we see one thing about social media, is they can hardly manage the distinction between what's wholesome and obscene, even when it comes to misinformation and just negative messages about humanity. It's yeah. like a mess. Yeah. And so they can't handle nudity. Like I'm, I'm almost glad it's not allowed because I can only imagine how toxic and destructive it could be. Yeah. So the, but the unfortunate cost of that is that all nudity is sort of associated with like if it's either mainstream or it just falls into this gigantic bucket. But there was a time when like, I mean, like Michelangelo's David stands like as this proud, exquisite nude, like right in the center of town. Like, and it's, you know, where I might look at images of like an underwear model and feel like I need to get in shape and go on a diet. But when I look at Michelangelo's David, I actually feel like elevated as a human. Like I'm in yeah. awe of humanity and, and, and of human creativity. And we're just trying to create a space for that experience of beauty like with bodies on a pedestal as exquisite seen through the eyes of artists and also in a way that that celebrates the dignity of the whole human so i mean we really are focused on something narrow and specific within the modeling world and it's really for people who love it and who get it and there's some people who don't and, and that's okay too yeah and i guess it's like I feel like there's a constant battle between trying to define what is art and then what is porn compared to art. But then there's people yeah. who, there's also people who do both and there's people who sure. don't care where the line is. And then there's people who really, really, really care where the line is. Where do you yes. lie in all of that? Well, like, so I, you know, like there's two layers to that. One is that I think that art can be created across like every spectrum of human creativity. So I'm sure that like within the most explicit porn within that world, there are probably great creatives who relate to the work they're doing as high art. And I don't have any objection to that in the world or to the people who consensually pursue that. But we don't, I mean, we generally have an R-rated threshold. And the reason is that even though there may be great art that's outside the boundaries of that R-rated threshold, because we're trying to reclaim a space for nudity without the taboo, that we are like, that's why we keep an R-rated threshold because we don't want to confuse our audience. And because yeah. we broadcast such a clear message that, you know, we want a space that people can experience without those layers of confusion and shame, which isn't to say that some of that other work isn't great art. And in many cases, we will allow people to have some of that work in their portfolio, but we just don't necessarily feature it like on the image feed or on the homepage. Yeah. Like artists have a little more flexibility within their portfolio because of people come to see their portfolio or coming to see their work. But we, I guess I'll just share an early experience in model society we had that really helped cement why we care about this. It was like in maybe our third or like fourth year after we'd launched and a young woman contacted us who had been like, like subjected to some pretty extreme sexual trauma and abuse. 
and she had a tortured relationship with her body and she she saw some of our videos and she wanted to have this experience of like being a work of art and some of our photographers have this gift of seeing everybody as beautiful and they'll they could photograph an, an old woman or a, or, or a man or or in this case this young woman and just sort of like photograph her humanity and so she had this experience of being nude in the woods with a really great fine art photographer and it was this transformative experience for her we have a, a video about it and like her life was changed and her relationship to her body was changed and she felt safe coming to model society for a reason and so we really want to preserve the community as a space where like the whole human being feels safe and like in a way that their nudity and their bodies can be expressed without the confusion that often lies like at the edges where sexuality becomes like the commodity or the product. Yeah. And I think that's really important to have that space for people to feel like, oh, I'm on this website, you know, working with people that I found here because we're here to create art. Whereas other websites where you can connect with people who are like into photography and modeling and such, they don't necessarily have that level of, what's the word I'm looking for? Security, where I'm going to bring up Model Mayhem here because when I sure. first started modeling, actually I started on MySpace. <laughs> yeah. And from MySpace, I went to Craigslist and that's always, I don't even know if people post on Craigslist looking for photo shoots anymore. I would not go there again today. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but you were resourceful. Yes. At Craigslist, there was zero vetting. You're completely anonymous. The person that's posting on Craigslist could completely be lying about who they are and what they're doing. And so finding websites where there was at least a little bit of accountability of, of who a person is and like their history of who they've worked with and their photos that they've done before. When, once I moved into Model Mayhem, that was my first like actual portfolio hosting website and networking community website that I got into. And on this show, a lot of the people that I've talked to have also started their modeling and had a model mayhem career, at least in the beginning of it. I think sure. that it's not as popular of a website as it used to be for for various reasons, yeah. but it definitely is like a, an important website in our community. But the vetting system to be getting your profile approved on there, like they do have a vetting system. From what I'm told that they have, I think, five different moderators or, or gatekeepers that need to look at somebody's mm -hmm. profile, their starter images and their bio and, and just see, do I think that this person is actually trying to get into photography? Like, is there any effort right. or does it look like a fake person? And so I think at least three out of those five people have to give them a thumbs up to get the profile in. Some, some people have a hard time getting into that website, but once you're in, then you're still kind of like, you know, being fed to the wolves because even though there are ways to check references with people, like once you're a new model and you first signed up for the website, like I feel like no matter what, there's always going to be some weird experience with some sure. somebody in their basement or whatever. And when I first signed up for Model Society, I think it was a couple years after I first signed up for Model Mayhem. And at that time, I didn't really have like a sense for like what artistic nude modeling was compared to like glamour modeling. 
Because I was just like, oh, I'm naked and people want to work with me. So I'm going to create a profile for that. And the first time I signed up for Model Society, I got an email saying, hey, uh, we would like for you to, you know, look at the website and see what kind of photos we have on here. And we're going to reject your profile for now, but do some artistic photo shoots and then come back. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is art nude. But even though I had been modeling for a few years, like I still didn't really have that that sense. And so it definitely right. was a learned thing for me. That's interesting because there wasn't a cultural context for you. Like your story is so cool because you, I mean, it sounds like you were resourceful, you know, that like modeling is this cool way that you had an asset that you could use in the world. And there was a, there was demand for it and you like hustled. And it says a lot about you and your character that you were able to kind of jump into that shark tank and come out <laughs> intact and look out for yourself. And, you know, it's an impressive journey. And then it's fun to hear that, like the world that we offer a figurative fine art kind of came to you later. And to see that, you know, for us, like, you know, like, Whereas at Model Mayhem, like being like young and attractive is like this commodity. Like for us, we would have just been looking at the quality of the photos and that the model could actually look like anything as long as the images are like artistic and well curated. So, you know, at Model Society, it's funny, we're not like beauty snobs, but we are art snobs. And anybody could be a great work of art if they just are seen through the eyes of like a good photographer, a talented artist. I love that. The, the You're not beauty snobs, you're art snobs. Like, I'm going to take that quote. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And I also wanted to mention that, like, websites like Instagram and Facebook and even Model Mayhem are owned by, you know, companies. Yes. And it, they're, they're not, like, focused on, like, the people that are running the websites that a lot of models are finding photographers on aren't not artistically inclined like they're in it for some kind of business like i heard model mayhem changed hands i don't know sure. like in 2018 or something like that and a bunch of rules changed and now everybody gets their avatar flagged because of stupid reasons yeah. but they're owned by oh my god i don't even know what the name of the company is it's called like internet brands or something like that i think and, so yeah. and they're really they're really really strict and they have really sassy moderators <laughs> Yeah. And they own like other, like 90 other, you know, internet properties yeah. that are completely unrelated to modeling or any of this stuff. Yeah. And so even though like it's still a good website to find people on, there's a lot of taking people with a grain of salt on there and it's still not as welcoming of a community. And over the past year that I've been like trying to improve and add to my model society profile and, yeah. you know, getting more into finding out more about model society and how it works, it feels more like it's a website run by a, a smaller team of people who are actually caring about the community, not just like owning a website that makes them money. Well, I, I'm, I'm really glad that it, it feels that way. You know, it's kind of how it is. Sometimes I, you know, that scene in The Wizard of Oz where they say, don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> you know, we really try to make a big, beautiful presentation for the art. And behind the scenes, behind the curtain, we are a very small, scrappy team. And so, you know, in a way we have the you know, I, I can't say I don't wish this wasn't a huge successful company, but we we have the luxury of 
making and you know, look in the same way an artist tries to make a painting as beautiful as they can or a photo as beautiful as they can like we actually want model society as a whole to be informed by what we find beautiful like what we want to see in the world and there's just so much negative messaging about humanity and even human beauty is often weaponized against us like through advertising and through like you know even though artistic nudity is not allowed on instagram like incredibly like manipulative influencer profiles are destroying people's self-esteem yeah and so like our thesis that you know we, we might fail at this but the goal with model society is can we actually create something that seems sane and beautiful in a crazy world and will people like resonate with it and support it and it's an experiment that you know the world <laughs> sometimes i think the world might be too far gone but people keep discovering us and wanting to support it because it it often does seem refreshing yeah. And I really get that sense as well. Just like listening to you like say all of that, like it is true. And that really resonates. Cool. So with Model Society, I've got more questions as sure. I've, I've always got more questions. You started out doing tattoo artistry and following tattoo conventions and creating art that was inspired by that. And then from there, you were working with models that were creating you were creating images with them to inspire more of your fantasy art yeah. within that world and then found out that there's just not very many platforms or there was no platforms that was focused on like figurative fine art nude photography they were just kind of scattered between deviantart 500px yep model mayhem and various other websites where nudity is allowed but because nudity is allowed then like all other types of nudity were just kind of exactly diluting it and so so now you have this website you guys are pretty established and i want to know like do you have like what what's next in the future for model society well i mean we just hope to well we, we certainly want to evolve the platform just to help to help it be a better use to creators and to help more people enjoy the art form. It's old legacy programming. You know, programming is it's costly and slow. We don't have like the venture fund. When internet brands buy Model Mayhem, you know, I, I can only imagine like the quarter million dollar a year programming budget that they're throwing into that or more. Mm, yeah. So we do have more basic functionality and our primary value proposition is the space we're creating. Uh, but that said, we do have a roadmap with the programmers trying to get everything like migrated to a new framework that's more flexible. And there are a lot of features and functions that we want to explore. But I, you know, I'm almost reluctant to talk about them too much because they do feel aspirational. Like really, model society has always to some extent, seem like it's been in survival mode. You know, we're always just, you know, like doing what we can to stay afloat. And really the magazine, the educational content, you know, that and some other ways that we've just tried to give people, like to, to provide value so that people can support the platform. But we don't charge for memberships in the same way that Model Mayhem does because it, you know, it skews their incentives. Like Model Mayhem is incentivized, even though they have some basic vetting to have as many paid memberships as they can. Like that's where their enterprise value comes from. But we don't have the incentive of like more is better. So we don't have the same business model. And, you know, there might be better ways for us to grow, but 
but really we just uh, keep doing what we can to keep the the boat afloat and to just keep growing and to keep providing the platforms for members and fans. So really we're just hustling to stay in the game all the time. That's how it feels now. That's really interesting because Mod Society has been around for such a long time. I feel like just getting the word out to even more people is like really important because every time like a friend of mine or an acquaintance of mine has a post removed from Instagram or has their profile taken down or gets put in Facebook jail or like has their avatar image on Model Mayhem taken down or whatever. There's always this anger like, oh, there has to be some kind of a platform that's dedicated to the art of nude without like restricting us. And oftentimes I'm like, I think those platforms already exist and we just need to go there and interact on them more. Sure. They, they already exist. You, there doesn't need to be a new cutting edge app necessarily. I think that these platforms already exist and Model Society is one of them. I, I love that you see it that way. And I do think like the place where Model Society could be better and that where I'd really like to be is for it to be a more valuable fan platform for creators. Like initially we created it as a closed community where models and photographers could trust that they were really just interacting with other vetted models and photographers. And then it became more of a photo sharing platform where our members share their portfolio because they have a space where they can present this work. And what we'd really like to see Model Society evolve into is a meaningful fan platform for creators of this type and I think that's why people are drawn to Instagram and Facebook is because that's where they could build an audience and then they get, and then their audience gets taken from them. And so we would like to be able to provide a space where people could not only share their work with other creators and collaborate, but we'd really love to see it become a, a platform where the world can discover the beauty of this art. True that. Well, I, I hope for the, the most out of that in the near future. I hope to have many, many more people coming in. Thank you. You mentioned that you have another website that I actually looked into called relationalskills.com. And I, I really was so curious about that. And I found some quotes on that website that I felt really created a connection between that business that you have and like the the true underlying nature of figurative fine art photography and modeling. And one of those quotes that I found says, anyone can learn to create all new levels of connection and understanding. And I, I thought that was a really resonating quote from your relational skills website. To be able to create new levels of connection and understanding. And I feel like when it comes to artistic nude photography, like that is a whole other level of understanding of like embracing humanity as something that is natural, like in its natural state. And I was really curious about this other business that you have and how it relates to like artistic photography. So I really appreciate that you went down the rabbit hole and checked into that stuff too. <laughs> I usually find myself talking about these things like separate topics, but they do overlap for me. When I was on the tattoo convention circuit, I mean, I tend to understate it, but I was a celebrity artist in that world. Cool. It was cool. And at the same time that it was cool, like I actually didn't bring me the fulfillment that I thought it was. And so there were some ways that like I was a celebrity at a tattoo convention, but I was just like this long haired weirdo everywhere else. So I felt kind of isolated and, and like, like the success I had achieved wasn't actually fulfilling. And there was a way that like the connections in my life were struggling. And 
I went through a thing where like while I was building Model Society, my mom was dying of cancer and I did some like personal development workshops where I kind of ended up burning down the celebrity identity in a way that was, it was like, it was just absolutely liberating. It was transformative. And like, I found that like I had been running towards celebrity because I wanted to be somebody who would like be loved and connected. And there was this way that like, I thought that would actually bring me the connection. And what I didn't realize, I was like running away from connection to be famous so that I could have connection. And then I started doing the self-development work and found that there was like this exquisite, profound connection available with people in every moment and that I had just been going the wrong direction. And this experience of like experiencing other people really deeply also was informed in the work I was doing. You know, if I did work with a model, often it was models who hadn't had experience doing it and they wanted to pose new just to see what it was like. And that same approach to connecting with the moment and connecting with a whole human being was part of the process. And so like, you know, whether we're, whether I'm leading a workshop, teaching relational skills, trying to get people to sit across from each other and suddenly see like the wholeness of a human being and to also let themselves be seen is like very much the dynamic between a model and a photographer is to what extent is the model like willing to be seen? And to what extent does the photographer create a space where he like, he's actually seeing the subject. And, to, and how fully and in what ways? And those are just like questions for every photographer and model collaboration to explore. But what's available there in relationship is very similar to what's available there like in a photo shoot. And there's things that make magic possible in both of those domains. That is like so extremely relatable. Like everything that you just said, I was drawing connections with the fame and the wanting popularity and wanting to be loved really resonates with, you know, for me, especially when I started getting into modeling and I was doing a lot of glamour, like you feel really pretty. You have these photos where, you know, your hair is really pretty and your eyes are like popped out in Photoshop and you're, you know, you're sticking your butt out and you get a lot of likes and a lot of like comments, but, but those are not that kind of popularity and that kind of fame is it is empty it is like those people don't really care about you and you when, once you show your humanity they'll like unfollow you you're like oh you actually have feelings and you're talking about them there's definitely like an ego in getting a lot of attention especially in modeling so this what everything that you just described is so incredibly relatable as a model who's dabbled in like various genres and i've gone through like my phases multiple phases of thinking that i am like some kind of a hot shot and then like falling off of my high horse and then feeling like I'm a hot shot again. And it happens like every like, you know, three to seven years or whatever. (laughs) It is kind of crazy. Like what you just described, like becoming what you feel is like a celebrity and like having what you believe to be people that love you for, you think they love you for who you are and what you do and that they admire you for what you do, but they don't necessarily, they, they think they love you for like the idea of you, right? And this is a lot of social media in general. Like if you have popularity online or in any kind of a community and then you change like what you're doing, suddenly those people that were your fans before, maybe they're upset with you because you made a change and they're not a fan of that change. Yeah, and I think some of that stuff is a little more, it's more fragile even these days than it, than it was 10 years ago. Um, you know, people's sensibilities are very tender right now. 
but there was something about it. Like, whereas like, you know, online there was like always an emptiness to it just because I wasn't actually in contact with people. But when I did go to a tattoo convention, I'd have, you know, hundreds of prints out on the tables and I'd be signing prints and I did have fans and there was actually something cool in that you got to meet people without, there was like this way that they were disarmed because they felt like they already knew you and appreciated something about you. So instead of like, if I would go to a tattoo convention as just an anonymous person, you know, like everybody's like tough and everybody's got their like, you know, like we're, we're, we're all armored. Like the world hurts and we walk around like with our armor and our defense mechanisms and like what we want people to think we are. And there was something about having a fan come up wide-eyed and eager to meet me that did like make it that we could meet each other at our best. And because like where at one time it had felt like, oh, I'm special. When I actually stopped feeling special and started feeling like realizing that I actually felt broken. When anybody would put me on a pedestal, the only natural thing to do is like to pull them up on the pedestal with me. And we got to, I really did get to connect with like people at their best in a way that I'll always be grateful for. I love that. That is a really good way of interacting with that, that sort of attention, I suppose, instead of being like, oh yes, I am so great. Look at me. Be like, come up here with me. Let's hang out. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's not that it's like, I'm like, I certainly didn't feel like I was better than anybody. And it was just it was right. an opportunity that, uh, that we actually could connect without our armor. I couldn't have named it at the time, but there was an experience I was having that I was grateful for. And then, but then between conventions, when I just was, you know, at the time, this long haired artist tattoo guy, you know, I felt otherwise I felt isolated. Hmm. That is really interesting. I have another quote that I found from your website that I wanted to say on the show and we can get into it if you want. Sure. It says, healing and understanding starts when we feel seen and celebrated exactly as we are which i really thought resonated with like artistic photography as well i think so so it, it, this is a fascinating conversation christy because I, again i usually compartmentalize the relational work and the art and the photography but there is a spectrum because for me like that being seen came from like doing a relational weekend where like my mom was dying at the time. I was like heartbroken over a failed relationship. And like I hadn't cried in 10 years. And like I was with a group of supportive people where when I did finally crack open and like weep, they didn't feel bad for me. They weren't trying to make me feel better. They just actually like welcomed it as this like, yeah, there's more of you here now. And it's good to see the rest of you. And it was it. It was like this thing I was ashamed of, like my brokenness. Like I stopped feeling ashamed, like because it was embraced by the people around me. And I actually felt more just at home <laughs> among humanity. And the reason I shared that story is because we've seen it time and again and again and again at Model Society that when somebody has an experience of really being seen like as a whole self in front of the camera, whether they're nude or not, often it's nude because that's a part of themselves that people struggle with you know like like people have issues with their bodies and their insecurities but whether it was the young girl who i mentioned before who came to us or uh, erica mueller who did the embody project book with us there are like these stories again and again of people posing and being experienced as beautiful as a whole entity that just like changes their lives 
Thank you for, you know, being so vulnerable and telling these stories. And even though you, you said you usually compartmentalize these things, I think it's really great to bring it together because on this podcast, I, I do have a section that I call the rising phoenix where I, I ask somebody or whoever I'm talking to on the show, like of a struggle that they had to overcome in their life, whether it was related to their modeling or not. And a lot of people have brought up stories of, of trauma or like death of a family member or like the end of a career or like a time that they felt ostracized from a community. And I think it's these things that bring the community of model photography, especially like nude and artistic nude world, have character and show depth behind what it is that we're actually doing beyond just these still images. Because the still images, an image can say a thousand words, but it's still up to the eye of the beholder to translate those words in their mind. Like, what is all of this? Like, what, what happens behind the scenes? Like, who are these people and why are they doing this? That's great. Yeah, there's something that, with the way we like to sometimes describe beauty in model society is that beauty is um, an experience you know, there like usually we think of beauty as this thing outside of ourselves. Like that person is beautiful. That landscape is beautiful. But if there was a, like one, the world's most beautiful person in a room by themselves, and if they don't feel beautiful, then there's really no beauty in that room. And that when they say beauty's in the eye of the beholder, that's not doesn't just mean that beauty is subject to individual opinions. It's actually where beauty lives is in the eye of the beholder. So like we actually. We bring beauty to the world. So that person who moves through the world is a beautiful celebrity. It seems like they're gracing us all with their beauty. But really, if they were alone, I mean, it's, it's us who find them beautiful that bring the beauty to the world. And so we, we, we often like to say that beauty is like a skill that we all can cultivate. And we can make the world more beautiful by seeing it as more beautiful. Yeah, and that, that makes me think of how Model Society started as a platform just for models and photographers, but then you opened it up to fans. So you have more eyes of beholders to like appreciate all of this. Yes. And that's like in, in large part with the magazine and the newsletter for to help not only the models and photographers have this creative, you know, there's a this incredibly passionate community just keeps creating exquisite work. I see new stunning images every day. But we want people, you know, all around the world to rediscover this content category and have that experience of Michelangelo's David in the town square. Like we want to reinvigorate that experience of awe and wonder at that, that we can behold each other with wonder and with awe. And that's, that's what I want for this like crazy, messed up, painful world that we live in. Well, I think it's really good. I think you're doing a really good service to like the world in general with your invention of the Model Society website. And I really hope that it continues to get stronger and bigger and more awesome. Thank you. That feels great to hear. <laughs> I also want to say that like beauty isn't, in my opinion, always pretty. Yes. And like we've mentioned, uh, you know, you can be whatever age, whatever size to do like fine art, nude photography, but like beyond just like being beautiful like the images can be beautiful but not be happy they can be sad yeah. like they can be you know evocative of any kind of an emotion and that's one thing that i really like about doing like art shoots is that you can bring whatever vibe you want and it's all allowed to happen you can't you don't have to just 
pretend to be happy and smile into the camera all the time. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, sometimes you just want to express yourself. And when I first got into modeling, what I was trying to do was express myself because I, my background, I came from a really kind of oppressive, restrictive, strict upbringing in like a a religious cult-like sort of an environment. And I was not allowed to display my femininity in any way. That was like, bad, sinful, going to hell, right? And so when I turned 18, for me, doing nude modeling was an escape and a way to finally express my beauty and my feelings and, to be honest, my hormones. And some people at the very beginning definitely took advantage of that, and I had some negative experiences. But the first nude shoot that I had that was a positive experience was a really positive experience because I felt safe. And that was a really big deal to me to be able to express myself without having to have clothes on and to feel safe. And ever since then, I think I was 19 at that that particular shoot, the first good nude shoot that I had, I was addicted. I was like, oh, I should do this more. Like I need to express myself as a human being without having to conform to this idea of, you know, what a a female human being is supposed to act like and supposed to look like and supposed to be like, like I want to express what I actually feel like and that I am, you know, a human with feelings that wants to be beautiful at the same time. Wow. It's it's, so yeah, for you, what I'm getting is that like, you know, exploring posing nude for you was like a vehicle to claim a part of yourself that had been forbidden. And I can see that. And and so I can see why, Going from like the desert, you might jump all the way in the lake, like because it's like there's something for you to claim your own freedom and to put those pieces back together as a whole person. It sounds really great that you've discovered that that vehicle. Yes, I definitely slingshotted like into all this stuff like really hard. As soon as I turned 18, basically, you know, I was posing nude right away. I got a tattoo right away. I was rebelling hard. And in fact, my modeling nickname was Rebel for many years of my modeling. And I... I eventually, I got sick of the nickname. It got old. It garnered new connotations of the word rebel that I didn't align with. But it did serve you at the time. Like you, there were... Yes. I I really appreciate that. Like the pendulum for you had been held so far to one end that like when you finally let it go, it had to swing the other way. It just makes sense that you had to explore all that unknown territory so that you could find a more natural, then you could have more choice around, well, now that I've explored all of this, who am I now? And you get to, now you get to choose and that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I feel like I'm also the kind of person who has to learn the hard way about a lot of things. So then, you know, fortunately, I I got through all situations in my life, you know, alive. (laughs) And from those experiences, I learned what kind of people I like working with and what kind of photographers I like working with and and being around. And over the course of so many years of modeling, I'm, I'm 36 now. I started when I was 18. So it's been half of my life now. Over all of these years, I've learned that just because somebody is a really good photographer with a lot of popularity, publications or whatever, it doesn't mean that I'm going to have a a good experience with that person. So I've learned that there's a lot of like hidden cues in interacting with people online that I've learned to, to notice like red flags or just like 
things that they've said about themselves in their profile paragraph and everything where I can tell, is, is this person going to be interested in creating a good environment for nice photos? Or are they just trying to get me you know, in front of them for their own entertainment purposes or, or otherwise? So I've learned. And that's part of the reason now why I really appreciate the fact that your website exists, because the people that are on there are generally vetted to be interested in creating good and creative photos and those types of shoots are usually always positive experiences for well, that's me. great to hear yeah you, you know i don't think model society is the place where a model is necessarily going to come to get the most work but it's a place where yeah. you could just count on like a community that has a moral you know a particularly aligned set of values so you know we've got some models who they maybe do arrange more work other places, but the place where they're often proud to share the best of their work is back at, at Model Society. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, what's interesting about you is just, you actually seem very resilient. You know, not everyone could navigate some of the complicated waters that you've swum in and kind of even, it sounds like you've had some challenging experiences, but you seem to have come through like relatively intact and like smarter and sharper and, and wiser for it. And it's just a cool story. Thank you. Yeah, I've gone through like challenges and phases in my life with my modeling, but also just in my personal life. But I've learned in general with anything, not just modeling, if something doesn't feel right, don't do it. And that's kind of how I I run my, my compass for w what I'm going to do next or where I'm heading. Like, does it feel good? Like, does this conversation that I'm having with this person feel good? Do I want to go do this or not? And that, that can be like a, a friendship. It could be like a work opportunity. It could be an activity. And I think that modeling has definitely sharpened my ability to feel that because a lot of the experiences that I've had in the outside world have been through modeling. Like I've traveled for modeling and like do, booking a photo shoot with a person in a new city that I've never been to before is my way of experiencing that, that area. So I've definitely... I would say I've, I've got like an interesting lens for experiencing the world and I can see myself doing modeling my whole life, regardless of whether it's my main source of income or not in, in the future. But it is, it is my way of enjoying nature and enjoying time with other people. Creating images is like, it's my thing, whether I'm behind the camera or in front of it, actually, because taking pictures for me is also enjoyable. That's great. Yeah, it's a cool story. It sounds like you've not only refined your instincts, but that you've come to trust them more. Because sometimes people will have that, that bad feeling and they don't necessarily even trust their own bad feeling. Yeah, that's interesting because I had a tattoo that was sort of based around this concept that I ended up getting removed. And the tattoo, it was of a chimera. And there's a story behind it, but it's kind of a long story, so I won't get into it. But basically the point of the tattoo that I got when I was 19 was that imagination clouds my judgment. And I got this tattoo to remind myself that my imagination can be crazy sometimes and that I shouldn't always do what my imagination leads me into doing. So I eventually got that tattoo removed because over the course of time, I learned that my imagination is actually powerful 
And my intuition leads me into these places that are, you know, guiding me into success and happiness. So I got that one removed. It was a painful process, but I know that tattoos and modeling is, is definitely a whole other topic as well. Sure. Well, it sounds like your judgment and your imagination are working more as a team than they may have in the past. Yes. I think I just had to learn how to, to tap into that. And it's not in, it wasn't intuitive for me because being raised in a very strict cult-like religion was, it's basically teaching you that your instincts are wrong, that they're being influenced by the devil wow. and that you need yeah. to follow this book, the Bible. And I'm no shame on anybody who is religious, but the the religious environment that I was raised in was not the ethical kind. It was not the, it was a very shame and blame and fire and brimstone environment for like a young girl to be raised in. So it teaches you not to trust yourself. Yeah. And it's amazing. It was invalidating your own developing worldview. And so I, I get, not only did you kind of reclaim like your sexuality and your body and your beauty, but you really had to reclaim your own sort of sovereign world making, like trusting your own worldview was part of what you had to reclaim and build for yourself. Yes. And I'm just grateful and lucky that modeling has been an art form that I have been able to use as a tool to sort of kind of claim that back. And I feel like I'm more a whole person now. That's great. Yeah, it's really cool. And that's why you're in this position too, helping explore these uh, topics for other models, you know, hopefully spare some people some of the hard-earned experiences that you've gotten and help them navigate towards what's going to be yeah. uh, like safe and valuable for them. And there, there's definitely always like, you know, the making money part and then the making art part. And like everybody in our lives, we want to just be doing it for the fun of the art that we enjoy. But we all need to make a living at the same time. Somebody, people have always told me that if you turn your artistic passion into a career, then it could potentially destroy your passion for the art through it becoming your, your income source. And I have struggled with that a lot over the years. I think there's some danger in it, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that if you pursue your art, you'll destroy it. Yeah. You know, but that's on the menu. Yeah. But I also think that you can like pursue Look, art is complicated and life is complicated. If you don't pursue your art, then maybe you keep it safe, but you didn't pursue it. So there's really trade-offs with everything. Like life is just complicated and the complicated and painful nature of life is going to flow right into your art if that's where you're putting your attention. Yeah, true. And, you know, obviously I've made it work over the years, but I think that the topic does come up frequently for me, especially when it comes down to accepting an offer from a photographer who wants to hire me uh, yeah. because if, right, right, if right. their I photography is not really in alignment with something that I feel like I want to do, then I'm like, okay, I could take this work and these photos of me will be on the internet depicting me in a way that I don't necessarily feel is genuine, but I'll make, yeah. you know, I'll make income off of it. So there's always this like personal dilemma of, do I want these photos of me on the internet? How much do I need the money? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, it, it's not the same, but I'll just tell you the way in which I relate to that struggle is that back even before I was on the tattoo conventions, when I did just work in a street shop in Fort Lauderdale, you know, I came out of art school. I learned how to tattoo. You know, I felt some of the clients were amazing. Some of their ideas were amazing. And it was like a joy to like, 
put this art on people. But way more than half my time in the studio, I was spending with people that the only reason I was close to them for hours at a time was because they were paying me. Yeah. And the art didn't necessarily feel good. The time with the people spent didn't necessarily feel good. But I was hustling to make a living. And it was, you know, it's not the same, but like, you know, you're trying to make a living. Yeah. And I appreciate that. So compromises are kind of a part of that. Yeah, I, that is relatable. I suppose everybody who does something creative or anything freelance in general will have to deal with, you know, this isn't fulfilling for me, but it's paying the bills. I suppose any job, even if it's not creative, I guess, has that element to it. Yeah. But you know, it's funny, even then, and you might relate to this as a model too, there were some tattoos that I would do for very little money because the people just felt good and the idea felt great. And then there were other tattoos where actually, if somebody did give me the heebie-jeebies, <laughs> the price would go up or I sometimes, there were times when I actually just didn't take the work. So there are, yeah, you know, there is a spectrum of choice. I, you know, models do the same thing. When it comes to photographers, if if you're getting the heebie-jeebies, the price goes up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not going to feel good about it, I do actually just have to charge more. I do understand, and that just makes sense. I, I want to ask you something else because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are photographers and models. And a lot of photographers, not, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of photographers that I've worked with or that I haven't worked with, have strong opinions about tattoos on models. And since you are coming from a tattoo artist background and you started in this creative world from the tattoo world, I would like to hear from your perspective, like how do you feel about tattoos on models in general? I don't have, I mean, I, I don't actually have strong feelings about it either way. To me, it just seems like Look, if I was in commercial photography, maybe I'd have some reason that I needed to have strong feelings about it. Maybe it impacts the work product or maybe, you know, but but in my perspective, through the filter of model society, like the tattoo essentially becomes a part of the person. And if we are photographing a whole human, then we're photographing all the, you know, it's like the decisions they've made have carried with us. And so I don't have strong feelings about it. That just seems like a personal choice. And look, a model could show up with tattoos to a photo shoot that she feels great about. She could show up with tattoos that she regrets or some combination there. Like our whole life is full of decisions that we are either proud of or regret. Like we tattoos are just the living proof of our decision-making, but we're all tattooed all up and down by regrets <laughs> and victories throughout our lives. And I just think the tattoos just show up with the rest of the human. So yeah, I don't have strong feelings about it. I just think you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's just part of the person. Yeah, I like that as a person who has, I have two tattoos myself. I have one behind my ear and I have one on my lower back. And I have another question for you because you have done tattooing and you are in the photography world. I feel like this question, like I've, I just personally want to ask you this. A couple of photographers over the course of my career have rejected working with me because of the tattoos that I have had because they said that the tattoo work is technically the artwork that belongs to the tattoo artist. And they said that if I want to publish this photo and monetize on it, that I should have permission from the tattoo artist. Is that legally true? 
to me, that seems absurd. And the reason it seems absurd is, you know, along with this whole journey I've been on with Model Society, I, we used to, to publish tattoo art, we, you know, like there's always, there's been plenty of copyright lawsuits that I've been engaged in uh, from both sides of the fence, unfortunately. But the thing is, I would just say that when you do a tattoo, there's an implied license that tattoo in its fullness is now the property of the person that you put it on unless you have a contract that's actually restricting them from using their own likeness, you know, I think that it's an implied copyright transmission when you've done a tattoo on somebody, unless you've explicitly stated otherwise. Like if celebrity gets a tattoo and then it appears in a movie, I think it's far too late for the tattoo artist to put a copyright claim on that. I think that the implications of the tattoo are implied at the time of the tattoo. There's a transfer of rights that to me just seems absolutely inherent to the process. That's how it occurs to me. Cool. But, I mean, that's good to hear from your perspective. I, I haven't like had that like interaction very many times, honestly, in, in 18 years of my modeling has come up like maybe two or three times total. But it was always something in the back of my mind that I was like, is that for real? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I like I'm not saying an artist couldn't actually make that claim. I just think it would be a very difficult claim to make. You would actually, like, if you were to put a tattoo on, let's say I did a whole sleeve on The Rock and then he appeared in a movie and I want to, like, claim some kind of copyright infringement and extract money from the studio, I really think that I, I there's no way in a million years I could win that lawsuit. At the time I did the tattoo, like, I mean, if he's going out into the world in a tank top, am I implying that I have some display copyrights and right. that, that shouldn't be public? My art should not be publicly displayed without my permission. It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. You know the world the celebrity is going into. And if you don't assert those claims prior to the tattoo, yeah. I think it's far too late when The Rock appears in a movie. So I'm not saying an artist couldn't make that claim. I just think it's a dubious claim. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for answering that. And, you know, sorry to like sure. segue down that bunny trail from the, the heart of our, our true conversation, but it was a curiosity that I had. Yeah. If, and if it's a lingering question for you, I mean, you've got my two cents. So, <laughs> but the photographers who use that as a reason might still hold on to it as a reason. Yeah. But I think in the real world, it seems unlikely. I guess that's their prerogative. There's some people who only want to shoot untattooed models and that's up to them i suppose everybody's got their own vision of what they want to photograph i suppose yeah i mean but that's because they you know there's a lot of people there's a thing we used to say in the tattoo industry is you know it was like my tattoos are either a window that'll help you see into who i am or like they're this thing on the surface that keeps superficial people from seeing me at all so yeah i think with the right fine art photographers they're just gonna welcome it as a part of the whole person yeah but look so even some fine art photographers have their opinion about it you know we all have different generational attitudes toward tattoos and everything and and for the artist who will only photograph non-tattooed models well you know he's entitled to curate that body of work for himself too there are, there are plenty of photographers i know who especially back in the day were only working with tattooed models true that great well we're pretty much near the end of the episode, I wanted to ask if there's anything else that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to get into. No, I, I mean, this just felt really good. I'd you know, be happy to reconnect anytime. I hope that your you know, listeners gain some value. I hope just hope they come and check out Model Society. And if they want to get a taste of what we do, if you come to the website, 
somewhere you'll find a link to get a free issue of the magazine. Um, that'll put you on the newsletter. And, you know, with the newsletter, we just scoop some of the cream off the top of what's coming into the community. So, you know, whether this sounds familiar or alien to you, if anybody wants to get, you know, a taste of what we have our attention on, come get the free magazine and we'll, you know, we'll send you some of our very best and see if it's something that you like. Awesome. I'll definitely include links to that in the show notes as well. Cool. That's great. This has been really rich. I appreciate you taking the time. It's, yeah. it's good to talk to somebody who has, you know, you got your own perspective on on modeling and the industry and it's like refreshing. You know, usually I'm introducing Model Society to just some outside group, but this has been nuanced and rich and I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's been great talking to you as well. Awesome. Well, I'll look forward to catching up with you again. All right. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs>